I'm a fish boy who skates for Team X Blades with a leprechaun who plays basketball. Come to my smart house, meet my alien sister. Don't come hungry, because I'll bet my mom can't cook. Hello, friends, and welcome to the most stellarious podcast on the internet. Cetus Lapetus, it's going to make you blow an O-ring. It's Mom Can't Cook, and I'm one of your hosts, Andy. And I'm also here, Major. It's Luke Westaway, the other host. How's your O-ring? <laughs> has, it, has it blown? My, yeah, my O-ring is well and truly blown. You may be wondering what we're talking about. Well, we're using... We're talking about my blown O-ring. <laughs> we're, talk, we're using cool 21st century slang. Yeah. As you will encounter in today's film, which we're watching, which is, Luke... It's Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. It's an absolute treat. It's about a girl called Xenon, and she lives in 2049. She lives on a space station, and it's about how she tries to balance her cool futuristic life with also saving all of her family and friends from disaster, and also maybe a little bit of boy trouble. Tonight! Cetus and Peter! Blast off with a Disney Channel original movie, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. No air duct cruising, no recycle bin diving, and please try to stay out of the restricted zones. She's your typical cosmic kid who's been grounded. Shuttle departure in three minutes. But when disaster hits home base, it's up to Xenon to save her family and friends up in space. Everybody up there is in danger mortis. Watch Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, starring Kirsten Storms and Raven. Tonight at 8, 7 Central on Disney Channel. Can I tell you, Andy, please, that I am feeling afraid <laughs> of, of what? This is the podcast's greatest challenge yet because I encapsulating this film is going to be especially in an audio medium is going to be it's our biggest challenge yet yeah so this this is a, a sci-fi decom hard sci-fi i would call the I call it the equal of anything asimov or frank herbert ever yeah wrote. i mean it's it's very much in the space opera oeuvre isn't it yeah yeah so as yeah. you say uh, this film is set in 2049 mm-hmm. we are introduced to our main character xenon Carr is her name. K-A-R. Yeah, K-A-R. She's a typical 21st century girl who lives on a space station that's uh, kind of in geosynchronous orbit. The way we should start this podcast is by just sort of talking about Xenon's life aboard the space station. What life is like in 2049 for a girl of the 21st century? Yeah, well, the first thing to note is that Xenon very much lives in a a world apart, in a a literal sense, because she's on a space station, but also the space station that she lives on is the only space station, right? Mm. There, You know, there's Earth and there's the space station. It's a research station. Her parents are scientists. They're doing um, research into bone marrow density or some such thing. Xenon is being brought up on this space station and there's a sort of regular life for kids aboard this space station. I think everyone else there is either sort of maintenance workers or uh, scientists. Yeah, researchers or they are, uh, you know, officials involved in the running of the station. Yeah, and the station is being bankrolled by a corporation who do sort of communications and science stuff. But it must be said that the station is starting to show signs of ageing. There are a lot of sort of technical issues with the <laughs> yeah, space station. Yeah, no shit. It looks like it was built in 1997. Well, I mean, there is that, yeah. But also, it, you know, the elevators are constantly sparking. People yeah, sure. have to use maintenance corridors to get around. Yeah. In the background, you can constantly hear, like, tannoy announcements being like, gravitational failure in sector yeah. 7G, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Decompression drill, like it's something that might happen. Mm. Uh, the children are always going through the trash for some reason. Xenon is making the best of it up here. She's she's popular. She's got a good group of friends surrounding her. She's got a friend, uh, Nebula. Played by? Played by Raven Simone, yep. um, ex of The Cosby Show. That's so Raven. Raven. Yeah. And then just Raven, I think. Anyway, she's great. She's obviously great. Raven Simone's always good. She's cornered the Raven brand, really. Oh, yeah. But yeah, all sorts of stuff is going wrong on this uh, on this space station. One of the notes I had of a thing that's going wrong uh, that's being reported is that the fusion trays in the cafeteria are misfiring. <laughs> what is What is that? What just, is a fusion train? Why does it fire? Well, Andy, look, we hobbling along in the year 2022 yeah. have plastic trays when we go to the cafeteria, right? And uh-huh. We place yeah. our food on them and then we have to move the food manually into our mouths and faces. Such hardships <laughs> are non-existent in the year 2049. I assume food is fired from the tray into your <laughs> waiting mouth. 
via the fusion tray, a yeah. futuristic invention. Yeah, okay. well, I mean, it takes an awful lot of fusion to power the um, hurling of the food. You have to hmm. remember as well that the food is denser, um, not just because it's in space, but because they talk about the food in Xenon. It's a kind of hydroponically grown uh, yes. sort of dense nutrient mass. Nutrient-rich food ball. <laughs> yeah, that Xenon is super pleased with, even though she's basically <laughs> eating bird food. And uh, <laughs> and she, she spurns Earth hot dogs and hamburgers. But yeah, Xenon is uh, basically introduced to us as a being of pure chaos. She sleeps in, she has to race around the space station, or the space day. Space as, day, yeah. as they call it. There's a lot of futuristic slang in this uh, in this film yeah and we'll sort of explain the terms as we come to them but uh, the try. one you need to know here space day a space station yep and cetus lapitus is the kind of exclamation of dismay i, I don't think it's necessarily dismay because you can also say that you're inked out uh if you want to describe oh, yourself yeah. as as sad i think cetus lapitus is just a sort of like it's, it's like, like oh omg i think yeah yeah, 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 yeah yeah i think you're right the kids they have uh, they have school up in uh, up in space, they're doing an Earth history module where they're talking about President Clinton, but not the President Clinton you're thinking of. Oh no, they're talking and, about the and current... also not that other one you're thinking of. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about President Chelsea Clinton. Yeah, because that was a sort of fun idea in the nineties, wasn't it? That relatives of presidents would become presidents. Yeah, as opposed to a sort of thing you would dread now. <laughs> Apparently, the sort of the big thing about Chelsea Clinton's presidential reign is that uh, she's taken a, f- a forceful and unwavering stand in favour of the harvesting of underwater vegetation. We actually received an email from Brian Champion who pointed out that the movie was released in the final weeks of the impeachment of Bill Clinton. <laughs> so thanks, Brian Champion, for that. But yeah, so we see Xenon at school and also we see um, Xenon in her downtime is a very big fan of a band called Microbe. Yeah. And there's a big contest that this band Microbe are holding. They're going to be travelling up to the uh, space station to do the first ever rock concert in space. And one lucky microbe fan will get to dance on stage with Protozoa. Wait, wait. I still haven't told you the best part. Not only is microbe coming, but they're having a contest and the winner gets to dance on stage with Protozoa. Can you believe it? I'm going to get to dance with Protozoa. (laughs) Who said it's going to be you? What is she? New in the galaxy. (laughs) Much, much more on Protozoa to come. Um, Andy, the way we've talked about this, my concern is that if you're one of the many Mum Can't Cook listeners who justifiably don't want to watch these films and just want to hear us talk about them, I I am picturing something, listening to you describe it, I'm picturing gleaming white walls, I'm picturing translucency, do you know what I mean? Yeah, what I would ask you to instead imagine is a 90s laser tag centre. Yes, that's it, that's it. It looks like a very visually oppressive place to live. There are constant flashing blue and red lights uh there's it's always venting steam into the corridors there's like there's just always smoke Uh, the corridors are very cramped and and they are crammed full of people the layout of this place is absolutely wild you see exterior shots but i don't really understand how the layout can possibly function because it seems to just be several long corridors that everyone has to walk through at the same time Mm, people Um, driving vehicles down them and the the fashion is uh extremely colorful and pointy Every fabric is in, in use. Yep. Um, Xenon absolutely loves it. She's like, at least I'm not down there. And she looks out of the window at Earth. Yeah. As if to say, like, what a dump. And having grown up on the space station, she was born on Earth, I believe. But having, you know, grown up and from her earliest memories been on the space on the space day, she and her friends are extremely disparaging of Earth. There's a conversation, isn't there, where they're talking... Uh, she's talking with her friends about Earth and they lament the many problems that they have down there on Earth, like um, disease, germs, speeding trucks, earthquakes, madmen. Madmen. <laughs> you have to be wary of mad. Muggers, yeah. they mention. Yeah. Xenon has lived on this space station since she was five yeah. and she doesn't want to live ever- anywhere else. And it's, I guess it's kind of like if your parents took you to an Arctic research station when you were five. Yep. And you were like, I love it here in the Arctic I never, I never want to experience anywhere else in the world. Later, they go to Earth. I was expecting it to be a sort of desert ruin um, from the, <laughs> from the, you know, roaming gangs of marauders <laughs> mugged by Chelsea Clinton. With her... <laughs> Harvest your underwater vegetation. <laughs> yeah, but actually, I mean, probably due to budget constraints, Earth remains <laughs> largely unchanged from the way it is now yeah we also get to see like some of the shenanigans that they get up to there's a lot of dumpster diving um for they sort of repurpose technology into jewelry which is kind of cool and also she goes on a um a spacewalk she steals a spacesuit 
and she kind of goes out into the vacuum of space to look at a solar, a solar storm. Yeah. Um, I think this is I mean, is there the... are windows, but she wants to get, like, three feet closer to it. <laughs> so, so she floats out into the vacuum of space. <laughs> in the, it's like 30 million light years away, but she wants to get three meters closer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so these children who don't know how to operate any of this equipment just sort of boot her out into space. Would you say that Xenon Spacewalk is the earliest point in a decom yet where we can say that the rest of the film is her neurons firing as she dies? Because... <laughs> Yeah, she just like George Clooney in Gravity. She just <laughs> floated off, and the oxygen left her brain. <laughs> she imagined a, a wacky escapade where she got to meet Protozoa, her hero. Um, yeah, yeah. Before she goes out into space, she says, "Let's rock and roll." Woo! Something which I don't think a teenager now would say, let alone in twenty-seven years' time. You think? Yeah. You think? I think Commander James. What's his name? James Hadley. Is that right? James, 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 James Hadron, he- James Hetfield. Yeah, the James yeah. Hadron Collider. Yeah, James Hadron Collider. When he yeah. did the Red Bull jump out of space. Yeah. Um, I think I might be conflating astronauts and Red Bull <laughs> yeah, stunts. Red Bull stuntmen. <laughs> My favourite thing is that during the post-spacewalk bollocking, yeah. uh, Xenon's mum puts on a mad hat, which <laughs> is, is some sort of future hat that makes you less stressed. That's great. I mean... The technology in this film is all over the place because on the one hand you have a magic hat that cures your mood and then but then on the other hand like there's no internet there's no quick and easy way of communicating with earth in fact that there are becomes... video calls uh, she has a um... but then yeah, she has a cru- data zap memo minder that uh, you can use to video call people bless you is... for writing that down it's such yeah. treasure the data zap the data zap memo minder memo minder but there's no like instant there's no internet basically um yeah. you know on this so they can do like high-tech video calls but if someone wants to say inspect the space station you know they have to physically go they there and physically yeah be and present. walk around and if someone wants to know what's wrong with the space station's systems they have to go to a particular room and put in a little disc and yeah. you know, it's it's quite 90s-y sort of tech. But also, yeah, they have a stress helmet and if that doesn't work, something called the chill chamber, which chill is only cha- hinted at. I assume the chill chamber is, I'm so fed up with my child, I'm going to be cryogenically frozen. <laughs> Until they're wait, two years older. Wait, wait. <laughs> their, tem- their temperament yeah. might have even now. Wake me up when Xenon is 30 years old. <laughs> Get past these terrible teenagers. <laughs> um, I've written down a few bits of slang. Okay, yes, please. Uh, yeah. That you. So we've got Stellanarius. Yep. Which uh, means good. Cetus yep. Lapetus, which we've talked about. Yeah. Um, things being minor and major. So time. I've got time minor and tasks major. Well, time time minor means uh, it won't take very long. Tasks mm-hmm. major means it's a big job. Yeah. Uh, yep. Morning glorious. You would say to someone <laughs> as a greeting. Yep. Uh, you, you're gonna go Nova? No, Supernova. Uh, I guess is that famous? No, you're gonna get excited. You're gonna you're gonna go crazy oh, for this. I will become excited. Sure. Yep. Uh, Lunarius is good, but th- Thermo is bad. I appreciate the uh, the level of future slang there is in this because they could have yeah. just gone with right. We'll just say Cetus Lapetus the whole time. Yeah. But it's like every and, and they do say Cetus Lapetus more they or less do. constantly. It's like everyone is getting all gaseous on me. Uh, yeah yeah things are inky, inky they're, bad. they're bad me and my rads yeah. meaning friends yeah uh, you're gonna fully blow an o-ring unless you um, retrofire i would say that the problem that the film has slang wise is that they introduce all of this really good and fun slang and certainly if you kind of google around like cetus lapetus is the one that will start every buzzfeed article headline about yeah. xenon like where mm-hmm. the cast are now cetus lapetus you got to see in a blah 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 however for my you know the one that absolutely has my heart is fully blow an o-ring obviously (laughs) because xenon says it to her mum. she says you'd fully blow an o-ring if you had to return to earth right mum?" and there's just a beautiful ambiguity as to whether blowing an o-ring means losing your temper or experiencing an incredible climax (laughs) (laughs) oh okay (laughs) did you not think that no i I didn't (laughs) blow an o-ring right no uh, to me, Come on, Andy, for, admit it. You'd fully blow an O-ring. To my mind, it was more like to sort of wildly and uncontrollably defecate. <laughs> okay. I can see both. Yeah. This I mean, is why <laughs> This is why it's the best slang term in the film, <laughs> because it has that flexibility, like, like all of our best slang, like the word cool, like a lot of swear words, you know? Yeah. It's adaptable. It's flexible. Blow an O-ring. Blow an O-ring. 
I'd exactly. blow an O-ring if I had to return to Earth. <laughs> okay, so are we going or not? <laughs> but yeah, so Xenon is having a great time. Uh, she's entering this micro contest as well, we should point out. That's an important plot point. Um, it doesn't really say what the criteria are for this contest to win. It just, yeah, just that you can win. Nebula is a, has written an essay about what dancing on stage with Protozoa would mean to her. I think she has interpreted the brief correctly. Or I would yeah. think that, except she doesn't win. Mm. Xenon wins. Yeah, because Xenon has sort of carved a weird little homunculus sculpture, <laughs> sculpture of Protozoa. Yeah. And she spends her nights rooting through trash like a little <laughs> goblin, finding bits to glue on her little model of Protozoa. And then has the gall to insist that her life on the space station is good when she's like waist deep in waist deep in, in filth and garbage. There's by... a scene where they just they literally dump fresh garbage onto her head. Yeah, she's like, oh, and she's like, oh, nice. Oh, more shinies for my model. Shinies for my homunculus. For, my, for, my, for the little Protozoa that and I breathe can dance breaths with. into him to breathe and live. <laughs> Nebula is such a good friend because Xenon wins this contest that Nebula desperately wanted to win and she is just delighted yeah. for, for Xenon. Instead of being consumed with friendship ending jealousy, as mm-hmm. anyone would be. But um, this is the point at which the sort of conflict of the movie starts to introduce itself because the head of the company that funds this space station, Parker Wyndham, he's come to the space station to do a sort of inspection tour and it's a very important day for the space station because they need funds to stop their aging space station from collapsing in on itself and killing everyone with the loss board. of all hands yeah <laughs> yeah so they really need to impress uh parker Wyndham. Yeah. and they're his, having like uh, an ofsted inspection right um yeah exactly He's coming up there to see what his money is is getting, and um, which he's again com- he's he can't really be sure of from Earth because there's no there's simply no way there's simply yeah. no way of knowing. Yeah. So you know he has to go around and and look at it all and go oh yes that's good well done with that and so everyone has to be on their best behaviour. And he's brought his um, sort of sidekick uh, assistant, a guy called Lutz, yep. with him, who's wearing an extremely nineties suit. Yep. Even though it's the future, it's very that's- orange. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, Z- Xenon is desperate to impress this Parker Wyndham because her shenanigans, you know, could put the whole base at risk. And she doesn't want to do that. She's a good kid at heart. Yeah. So she's out to impress Parker Wyndham. But she senses something might be a bit off about this Parker Wyndham, mostly because he gets the name of the band Microbe wrong. He calls them Microscope and she's like, what? Do you remember when Gordon Brown said he liked the Arctic Monkeys? And mm. everyone was and that like, was it for his political career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was, was dragged like... into he was dragged into Parliament Square, wasn't he, and beheaded? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, look it up. It's on Wikipedia. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know that it, it has that kind of energy, right? That sort of no, you don't. Wait a minute. Someone, if you're lying about you that, what this. else are you lying about? Yeah, exactly. Parker Wyndham. She follows Lutz around, and uh, she notices that Lutz is trying to get into the sort of the main command centre of the space station. So she sort of follows him in there and notices him uh, using a disc to either put something onto a computer or take something off. But something something nefarious is going on. Yes, at, at, when we say disc, you're picturing something that is not what's in the film. It's more like a watch battery. It's, a, it's ex- exactly yeah. like a watch battery, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it probably like, is a watch battery that's yeah. been painted. <laughs> It's got like a pearlescent coating on it. Yeah, yeah. Wyndham does own this space station. You feel like he could just ask to go down there because he does own everything on the space station. Yeah. Just say, could I leave me alone in the command centre for five minutes because I own this place. The thing that makes this conversation difficult is that the film never really explains what the space station is researching or what this data is. So we're bone talking density. About- <laughs> for God's sake, the important bone density data. Uh, look, here are the facts. Here's what we know about the research. We know because the film tells us that it has to take place in anti-gravity. That's why yeah. they're in space. At one point, we see something like a ferret floating in yeah. anti-gravity and it has the potential to save millions of lives. Yeah, so millions of bones. Million, so, you know, you millions put, of bones could be denser. You you put those pieces together and try and figure out what the out, yeah. what they're doing up there. I I had a, a temporary job once after university just like filing invoices for a biotech company. Oh yeah. And I didn't know what they did and I couldn't figure it out and I was trying to piece it together from the invoices of the things that they were buying. Oh my god. It, it was a bit like this. Yeah. This sounds like a kind of um an aloof indie puzzle game. Yes, it would absolutely be that. Um, yeah. But it was it was something to do with bone density, now that I think about it. Really? 
Yeah, it was. Oh my god. Well, Andy, so all right. So Xenon is set in 2049, right? <gasps> they mention that this is the space station's 27th year in operation. Oh my god. Do the maths. It launched in 2022. That's this year. That's this year. The Xenon Xenon space station is going up this year. Get on, get in line. The Wyndham ship, it's going up. <laughs> get get on board. Yeah, get, <laughs> get on board while get you on can. Get on the ground floor. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so Lutz has he's taken this data and he's put it on a, on the little watch battery disc. Yeah, and he leaves the command center and then attempts to put it in his pocket, but sort of drops it and doesn't notice. I mean, again, <laughs> this is what happens when you don't have Dropbox, folks. You know, <laughs> <laughs> is, you, know you can easily you can easily yeah. just drop the sensitive information on the floor. Yeah, so that's that's in play currently. Yeah. The so that, secrets, yeah. whatever the secrets are, they're in play. We have to be um, quite clear about this because I actually think this plot, this plot is quite complicated. It is quite complicated for a and a bit confusing, especially if you're a sort of child in the '90s. But all we know now is Lutz dropped a disc that he had near the mainframe, mm-hmm. and it's implied that he was up to something no good, or that he didn't want yeah. people to know about. And Xenon picks up that disc, although she doesn't know what's on it yet. She do- Xenon doesn't pick up the disc. Oh, right. God, Nebula, this is, sorry, this is more yes, complicated. Yes, no, this is very complicated. <laughs> All right, Nebula, sorry, go on. Nebula later finds the disc in the trash and repurposes it into an earring for Xenon as a gift. That's a weird coincidence. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we cut to Parker Wyndham, who is saying he's completed his tour of the space station and he's delighted. And he is going to pledge an extra $500 million to continue its mission, ensure its survival and repairs. Everyone is loving it. But in the corner, Xenon is like, man, f*** this guy. One of the reasons that she suspects Wyndham as well is because he's doing an odd kind of blinking thing. He winks all the time at everyone yeah. he's talking to. And I think the film absolutely sets you up to believe that he's some kind of android or robot. <laughs> or that there's, well, I don't, again, I, don't think, I didn't get that. You didn't get it? I don't think this is a reach. Honestly, he's okay. like kind of doing like a weird kind of like blink, blink kind of thing. Mm. Uh, and it's like, oh, what's he doing? Is he kind of navigating a HUD? It's like he's kind of using some kind of brain implant to download information about local pop groups or whatever. I mean, yeah, spoiler alert, that turns out to not be anything or not be yeah. addressed. So, yeah, if you're watching Xenon and thinking, why is Wyndham blinking? The, the answer is no reason at all. The answer is to refresh his eyes. Yeah, I mean, probably... <laughs> Probably on yeah. set, there was a lot of dry ice being pumped into his face. <laughs> it's directly into his eyeballs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Xenon, uh, after Lutz leaves the data core, she has locked herself in there and forgotten the code. So she does end up triggering an alarm. She's caught for being in the data core. And this is this is a big transgression. Uh, she's in trouble major, to use the slang of yeah. the film. And as punishment... With chance of parole minor. Yeah, chance... <laughs> Chance of blowing an O-ring. Major. <laughs> or minor, depending, or, on, <laughs> depending, depending on, on your usage. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> anyway, Xenon is handed down the ultimate punishment. She's going to be grounded in a very literal sense. I'm sorry, Z. Your mother and I have contacted your Aunt Judy. She hates space. And you want to bring her up here to be my keeper? You don't get it, Z. We're grounding you. I understand that. No, see, I mean, we're really grounding you. What? So, yeah, Xenon's being exiled to Earth, which, according to her mother, is the worst place in the universe. Her mother's really putting some ideas in her head about Earth. I will say. Yeah, and I don't really understand what exiling her to Earth serves because at this point, Wyndham has finished his inspection, right? Yes. It, so it's kind so of. So she can't cause any more trouble. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a punishment, but I mean, she won't be on the space station when Microbe come up to do their concert. So that's a that's. But then she could just be confined to her room while Microbe. Yeah, she could be confined to quarters. I mean, although she would, knowing Xenon, she would probably wriggle like a little goblin into a vent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you know, sneak into you know, sneak Just into Protozoa's green room, cover herself in trash juice, and slide through the vent. Xenomorph. <laughs> so maybe you know, maybe Earth is the only way they can get her far away enough that she won't get yeah. to the Protozoa concert. In the end, even that is not far enough, and like a little goblin, she makes her way back. Of course, the upshot is that Xenon has been exiled to the much cheaper to film on Earth. 
which is yeah. good news for the, the, the production. <laughs> Great news for the production at this point. Because you are, honestly, you are watching Xenon thinking, bloody hell, they threw everything at this. You know, the, the sets are incredible. The costumes are, well, you know, they're not incredible. They're, they suck, but they but they, they look expensive, right? Yeah, right. And, and um, you know, and then you get to Earth and you're like, ah, it's Vancouver in 1999. <laughs> yeah, it's the Vancouver Convention Center. Yeah, it, it is the Vancouver Convention Center. Because <laughs> it looks a bit futuristic. Because it had some glass and some white yeah. bits of metal yeah you know it's like when protozoa is shooting his uh to camera bits for whatever the mtv equivalent is yeah it's outside that same building <laughs> yeah yeah that's right because you know they obviously had it for the day yeah and they got every, they got all they needed done um the the way that they kind of handle earth visually is to as we've said yeah do nothing but like they'll put up the occasional sign so there'll be a sign that says like a solar vehicle recharging station or yeah my personal favorite underground smoking tunnel if you so if you want to go smoke a cigarette in 2049 you have to go to an underground smoking tunnel i think that's just a canadian thing oh is it yeah yeah Mm. like it gets gets pretty cold yeah you're probably wondering you're probably thinking like oh so what they've just chucked xenon down to earth what's she going to do there she does have an aunt there so they're sending her to live with her aunt scrape a living in the blasted wasteland but yeah it's it's a pretty cruel punishment i will say because xenon hasn't been on earth since she was five she leaves the the spaceship and is immediately crushed by earth's gravity okay (laughs) yeah gravity on the space station is 30 percent less the bone density if only they'd concluded the research bones shatter also also can i just say bone density is the least of xenon's problems because before she even like that her her body will acclimatize to but before she walks off the the ship she does a little sneeze yeah that's right xenon you just contracted about 100 earth diseases (laughs) that you have no immunity to they talk on the space station about you know oh man i'm it's so great up here i've never even sneezed and here's me in the post-pandemic world thinking you're all gonna die if you ever have to go to earth so xenon basically tumbles down the stairs of the spaceship riddled with viruses her bones <laughs> shattered <laughs> and they're like well maybe that'll teach you to do teenage pranks yeah but you know earth isn't all bad because she goes to live with her aunt who mm. by the way cannot yeah. cook she briefly mentions that she sucks at cooking i, I would mm. say this is more a punishment for the aunt i wonder if the aunt did something bad to the mum she's and, also being punished yeah. yeah she's also being punished because now she you know now she has full custody of, <laughs> of, a, te- a, of a trash goblin from space <laughs> of a diseased trash goblin <laughs> with very very weak bones <laughs> <laughs> Constantly shattering a new bone. Yeah. Yeah, so now Xenon has to sort of get by on Earth. Um, yeah. So the film sort of abandons its main plot for a little bit while we get some sort of fun fish out of water uh, stuff with Xenon on Earth. Yeah, there's a montage, isn't there? Um, she can, you know, she goes swimming at, uh, on her Earth school and she's feeling pretty good about going for a swim until she falls into the water and just spins yeah. around thrashing Well, wildly. she swam through space. But yeah. she hasn't swum in real life. Nearly sets the lab on fire at school because they use uh, centigrade instead of Fahrenheit. Um, I think I think this is the point to talk about how weird the space station is because we, okay, up to this point, yeah, you see everything that's happening on the space station. And you're like, oh, this is just how things are in the year 2049. Yeah, this because, is the accepted yeah, way of it. because you're imagining either down on Earth, you're imagining Earth is a sort of Mad Max Fury Road blasted landscape yeah. of or it's yeah. the, it's just the same as it is up on the space station it's just yeah. you know yeah. they're up in space yeah exactly but you get down to earth and everything's just sort of normal yeah. and like the 90s it becomes clear as soon as you see it that this space station over the what 27 years that it's been yeah orbiting earth has basically been uh, diverged from culture yeah. <laughs> in a really profound way well the slang that xenon's using is not the slang that they're using on earth right no. so again they've this got is all not their own all their own terms. I wrote some of those down as well. If you want oh, to go on, them. yes, please, yes. Yeah, they've got um, viral means bad. Yeah. So you know, a viral extreme place, for example. Sure. Macro is good. It's macro that you grew up in space. Micro is bad. Graphic means beautiful. I like yeah, that got, one. Yeah. They've graphic. Got all their own. This landscape their is own totally stuff. graphic. Makes me want to blow an O-ring. <laughs> <laughs> good or bad? I don't yeah. Know. Um, but yeah, Earth kids are wearing regular clothes like shirts and t-shirts and jeans yeah that's who right. is making these like mad space coat clothes yeah there's, the scientists there's some unhinged haberdasher up on the space station <laughs> who's making like weird space clothes burn your trousers friends i have um, a new fashion and we will put our leaders in this purple regalia <laughs> resplendent in purple and gold he's wearing 
<laughs> he looks like a, some kind of space admiral or something. Yeah, yeah he does. Um, yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right. You realise that the space station has, you know, gone completely off on a tangent for popular culture. They're about, they look like they're about a year away from marrying each other and then eating each other. It's like, it's it's almost Lord of the Flies. Like, what a what an odd little pocket community they've got going up there. Also, also all of the Earth children are called things like Greg and Margie. <laughs> Xenon! Asian kids are called Xenon and Nebula. Nebula! And one of them's called Lynx. They've really embraced space life. Okay, okay, Andy, imagine that you are Mr. Wyndham, okay? <laughs> you live on Earth and things are as they are on Earth. You pop up in the shuttle to just check on your investment. The doors hiss open. The Admiral meets you in his shining purple (laughs) regalia. The Vulcan salute. (laughs) Greetings. Greetings, Earth creature. (laughs) We're we're happy to see you, Major. Cetus Lapitas, meet my son, (laughs) Nebulon Jupiter. (laughs) Oh no, you've coughed in my mouth and we're all dying now. Oh, you're floating away because of our weird gravity. When we meet my son... Wait, my son Granulax. We'll, we'll get you down with her. It would be an honour to shake your hand, crunch. Ah, oh, my bones! My bone density. <laughs> if I was window, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, I think I probably will shut this down. I think maybe we should bring these people back every year or so. <laughs> So why is it the way that it is? Because like the up there on the space station, they have schools and stuff. Yeah, maybe just There's a like... bit where Xenon sees a flower and she's like, "What is this?" <laughs> what <strange>? is... <laughs> they they not learn about Earth in in space? She like she watches TV, which is all produced on Earth. There isn't a space station TV station. Yeah, all the micro music videos are shot in on Earth. See, she must have seen a flower, but she's like, what is this what is strange? This? What is this strange? She, she looks upon the ocean with total awe. <laughs> is it? Xenon was born on Earth and they called her Xenon. <laughs> no, they probably renamed her. Her name's probably Sarah. Oh, yeah, and then I imagine in like the year 2035, some sort of cosmic baptism. Yeah, cosmic baptism. Someone with like a religious artifact fashioned out of bits of old calculator. <laughs> then meteorite. Ba- yeah, bathed in blood, rechristened her Xenon. Oh. The best analogy we have, right, is an Arctic research base, I think. Yeah. If, yeah, if you went out to, and if you owned an Arctic research base and you went out there and the, you got there and the, a guy was dressed in like ice, an ice cloak and said, hello, my name is Permafrost. <laughs> this is my, this is my daughter, Polar, and she's kind of w- dressed in seal skins. Yeah. Ravishing a spear. Glacier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if you were out there and you owned that Arctic base, you would probably to say, why didn't we make this a regular Arctic base instead of funding expensive schools and habitats for an enormous population yeah and also you know let's rotate the scientists bit of new blood would probably help it's basically a fallout vault isn't it from the fallout games yes and those those always go wrong yeah almost immediately (laughs) yeah they all go wrong in like bizarre ways that you would never predict Andy, as we've already discussed, this year is the year that the Xenon Space Day is going up into orbit. Mm. And it's going to be Stellanarius. It's going to be Stellanarius. And I want everyone on board to have a timeless look that when it comes to 2049, we'll still be cool. Or at least yep. nostalgic and kind of retro. Yeah, you'll still be able to wear it when the uh, the gravity regulators are exploding in your face and you're being sucked <laughs> out into the vacuum. You'll still look good. You'll still look good. And you're going to achieve that by dressing everyone on board in Insert Coin clothing. Because Insert Coin are the people who make cool official clothes and other stuff based on the video games you love. And video games are timeless, Andy. Absolutely. When your frozen corpse crashes into the Pacific Ocean and is retrieved by NASA's body dredging ship. Robots. They're going to pull that body on board and they're going to look at your t-shirt that you're wearing with such, such games as Dark Souls... Uh, the Last yeah. of Us, Life is Strange, Resident Evil, Streets of Rage, and the Yakuza games. And those robots are going to dispassionately throw your body into a furnace. But not before 
they remove that t-shirt and save it because that is important salvage. They'll probably put it on themselves and wear it and that'll be the birth of robot fashion. You know, the yeah. robot walking around with a sort of fish-eaten, slightly burned-up Ghost of Tsushima tea. Absolutely. But if you if you want to get your own insert coin clothing, then uh, you can use the code that we've been given by the lovely folks at Insert Coin who are sponsoring this episode, which is Space Doubt. It's S-P-A-C-E-D-O-U-B-T. Space Doubt. Space and Doubt. Space Doubt. Codes give you 15% off and they're not applicable on charity items, bundles, gift cards, postage and some product at launch. Codes can't be combined with other deals or promotions and they are valid until the end of 2022. So you'll definitely be able to get them before you go up on the space day. And they will definitely survive re-entry. I'm pretty sure it says that on the website. There's a carbon fiber weave in every garment yeah. that has been stress tested against the Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> Pretty sure that's in there somewhere. Yeah, so it's quite the thing seeing Earth and realising how different it is to the space station. How profoundly the two societies have diverged in the last 27 years. Well, Greg, who is, you know, a, a boy who she meets down there and, you know, uh, in an odd kind of exchange of looks, falls immediately deeply in mm. love with... Uh, yes. And who, sidebar, is Alan from the film Small Soldiers, uh, if oh. you're familiar with That's cool. Small Soldiers. Uh, yeah, Greg has, uh, Greg tells Xenon, oh yeah, I've got a job on a ranch, brushing horses. Yeah, we've got some sets left over from horse sense. <laughs> yeah, we've got some horses left over. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Lawrence did kill a lot of them, but we've, <laughs> we've got a couple left. This so. particularly hardy horse managed yeah. to survive. Yeah, Xenon, who doesn't understand fruit or vegetables or money, yeah. says, yeah, I'll come and look at a horse. Yeah, and then she sees a horse and is absolutely terrified of its mm-hmm. threatening size, as you would be if you had yeah. never encountered a horse. I mean, uh, like, we don't have time to get into the minutiae of this at all because there's so no. much to talk about in this film, but isn't it weird that Greg works at a stable and he's, like, 13 years... Who would? Who's paying a 13-year-old, like, to brush? He implies later that he's getting paid by the horse. So he's like a kind of horse car wash. <laughs> I mean, we don't know how horsey uh, intelligence has increased by 1949. <laughs> oh my it's possible God. they have telepathic horses who can earn money and give it to stable hands. <laughs> Chelsea Clinton is, of course, a horse. <laughs> All of Earth's leaders are horses. A, de- a horse is just decom shorthand for romance. I mean, first the Lawrence brothers and now this. So uh, they are absolutely a decom shorthand for a, a like a very, very real with a capital R salt of the earth wisdom. And because yeah. that's what Greg has. He's like, hey, I don't have your space station slang. I just eat hamburgers and brush horses. They they go on a date together. Yeah. Um, he she wants to tr- try all earth food so she orders everything at the restaurant at greg's expense and then eats one onion ring and runs away and runs away <laughs> leaving, which is leaving him to deal with the bill yeah yeah but she, and then she's like oh your whole planet is one big mystery extreme she's again she's not an alien yeah. movie yeah. and then she's as- astonished by rain yeah it's like- <laughs> the movie honestly treats her like an alien it really does. It, I think they got like they a got bit of another script halfway through, or they just sort of forgot the premise, and they're like, "Oh yeah, let me get back to writing that Alien Girl movie." Yeah, I was, yeah. I was writing. Anyway, so Alien Girl falls in love with Earth Boy. Of oh, course, wait. she's never seen rain before. Yeah, yeah, she's never seen a flower or a horse or money or fruit. Yeah. Oh yeah, she doesn't know money. Yeah, yeah. she's like, oh yeah, money. Yeah, we've evolved beyond that. On she my knows planet. money. They're trying to get more investment <laughs> yeah, from Wyndham. Right. Yeah, he's like $50 million. And everyone on the space station is like, ooh, they're not like, dollars. Dollars means what nothing is, to me. What is dollars, Earthman? <laughs> Earthman's shiny paper. Shiny. I can exchange it for a hamburger. How many paper faces to keep <laughs> station running? <laughs> like, yeah. Beep, beep, beep. Okay, um, we have to briefly talk about another one of the Earth children. Um, well, there are two more Earth children, right? Um, there's a, yeah, she's got a gang of, of rats. There's a, hack, there's a hacker boy, nerd boy, called Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, much more importantly, um, there is a very cruel, bullying uh, girl called Margie. Yes. Uh, who doesn't have a huge role in this film, but you should know that Xenon is a trilogy. <laughs> Um, yes, she has a much expanded role in the sequel. Yeah, so sorry, the sequel. So the sequel. So do pay yeah. attention to Margie's ridiculous antics. Yeah. So Xenon discovers that the earring that she is wearing, for just for listeners at this point, I can see Andy on video call. He has 
tented his hands. Mm. Um, he, I can tell how hard he's concentrating because he is about to try and briefly and concisely and accurately sum up <laughs> the, plot of, the plot of Xenon. Sorry, and I interrupted. Movie, yes. Take it away. <clears throat> okay. Xenon at this point in the film discovers... Okay. How does she discover it? Xenon sees Lutz has been tailing her her aunt's home has been ransacked. She knows that Lutz is looking for something. She doesn't know what it is. Apropos of nothing, Greg says, maybe it's your earring. Yep. <laughs> and then they realise that the earring is, in fact, the disc that Lutz dropped on the space station that was repurposed into an earring by Nebula. Xenon has it now. They need to access what's on the disc. So they take it to the world's greatest hacker, Andrew. a little boy called Andrew, who, yep. who has a laptop. And Andrew is able to get into the disc and unlocks an animation of an egg hatching and a worm coming out. And then the worm goes in your computer and then his computer explodes. Yeah, and the implication is it's a very, like, hackers, the film, visualisation of a virus, but it is just that. It's a, it's a highly sophisticated nanovirus. Yeah, so sophisticated. And what it does is it basically gets into your computer and slowly, that's the, that's the, the well, and, and, and it eats away at all of the core uh, systems, yeah. which is perhaps why it's a worm, because it's going into the core. Who knows? Mm. Um, yeah, of, of whatever system it inhabits. And Xenon deduces, because she knows that quite a lot of systems recently have been failing on the uh, on the ship, right? On the space day. On the space day. She deduces that perhaps what Lutz did was to infect the space day's mainframe with this deadly virus. Mm. But much like the audience, I expect, <laughs> no one can figure out why Wyndham would put a bug in no. his own space station. No, I no. I, at this point, I was wondering and eagerly anticipating. Well, no, I've seen enough decoms to not eagerly anticipate a satisfying <laughs> answer to that question. But I imagine if this was your first decom, you might be thinking, "Ooh, can't wait to can't find wait out." To, yeah, this yeah. puzzle box to reveal itself. I can't wait for this to unlock. <laughs> mm. But um, yeah, so Xenon, armed with this knowledge, calls her parents um, to try and get them to bring her back up. But uh, they think that she just wants to come back up so she can go to the microbe concert. Yeah. Her mum is like, look, I know how traumatic Earth can be. Something awful must have happened to her mum. Yeah, right. Also, like, I think something awful happened to her and her sister, Judy, because she has Xenon has a conversation with um, Aunt Judy yeah. uh, where she says, hey, Aunt Ju you know, with that kind of teenage... Um, uh, kind of brashness she says hey oh, Aunt yeah. Judy why did you why don't you ever go to space and why did you get never why did you never yeah, get why married are you why are you alone yeah why don't you have kids Aunt Judy and the answer to all of these questions as Judy readily confesses is because she's a coward <laughs> <laughs> it's because something traumatic happened to them something traumatic clearly Definitely. happened involving space that also put Aunt Judy off getting married or having kids I assume mm. she saw a family explode in space yeah <laughs> That's definitely what happens. <laughs> the only yeah. conclusion to draw. Also in that yeah. 90s and also, you know, very Disney way. Why would you not be married? Why would you not have kids? Well, cowardice is the answer, of course. Of course. Brave yeah. people are doing both those things. <laughs> and I can only watch from the outside like the coward I am. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Xenon's parents are having none of it. Um, they hang up on her and they say, wow, Xenon, she's always right about everything. Anyway, let's not listen. <laughs> So she's got to find her own way back up to the space station because the only way that they can stop this virus from killing everyone on board is by introducing a retrovirus that Andrew, the little boy, has made. Yeah, it's the, it's the exploded laptop. It's the undo program. It's like, do you remember computers used to have an uninstaller? Like a kind of, yeah, yeah like a separate.exe when you yeah. wanted to uninstall a program. It's like that. He's made the uninstaller. He's made the uninstaller. Yeah. Andrew the hacker, mm. who is like nine. <laughs> He's cracked it. I think the initial plan, she was going to get Lutz to um, to give her a, a flight back in exchange for the disc. Uh, but Lutz double crosses her. But Xenon triple crossed him by yeah. painting a regular disc with uh, mirrored nail polish. This is so complicated. And yet somehow the disc is still readable and has an animation of Xenon as a jack-in-the-box on it. Yeah, I really don't understand this. She <clears throat> gives it to Lutz and he's like, aha, now the disc, the virus that I needed, the evidence I needed to conceal. And he puts it in his computer and there's an animation of Xenon being like, ah, 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 you didn't say the magic word. Ah, ah, uh -huh. ah. And it's like, yeah. Xenon, why didn't you just leave the disc blank? Now you've tipped your hand that... <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. like, now he knows that you've 
tricked him. Just have no... Don't program in a Flash animation of you dancing yeah. around gleefully. Must have taken ages. Yeah. Okay, so that, that method is out. She can't get a lift back from Lutz. Yeah. So the next one is that she tries to get... Uh, she gets Nebula to tell her the schedule for the, the supply ships to go back and forth. Yes, because weirdly, um, the only way that you can travel to and from this space station is by a kind of sort of regular supply shuttle. Mm-hmm. That, crucially, and this is important only has enough fuel for a one-way trip <laughs> yes so going to the space uh-huh. station is a is a hell of a risk if you get to that space station and you open the door and they've all gone feral and eaten each other you're not getting home <laughs> they formed a weird space society <laughs> they're baptizing you in the name of the space pope <laughs> but yeah so they they race to the um uh windcom airfield which is next to the vancouver convention center that's where that's all the lucky. take yep. off from they run up but they're, they're too late they see the shuttle taking off so that's like t- that's two ways she could have got back to the space, space station now there's they no see, way. it seems like they're out of they're out of luck but wait there's one one more avenue open to xenon mr zoa it's me xenon car your contest winner listen i don't have a lot of time to explain but it's urgent major you have to believe me you're my one and only hope hold on it is you isn't it gotcha now kid Game over. Sorry about this, Mr. Zoe. We'll get her out of here at once. No! No, tell them. You have to tell them. It's urgent in the viral extreme. Let's go. Gentlemen, you obviously don't know who this is. All we know is that we have ordered to deliver her to Mr. Wyndham. What, and disappoint all my adoring, despite fans who are waiting to see me dance with her up there in space? I don't think so, boys. So it's Microbe, the band. They're going to the space station of for their course, gig. For the big concert. For the big concert. And, and Xenon is expected. So even though Wyndham is right there giving a press conference, um, you know, her hated enemy Wyndham and Lutz, uh, she expertly infiltrates backstage of this press conference by walking in with some trays of drink. With some drinks. Now, you're probably thinking, won't security spot that and tail her in and stop her? And the answer is yes. Two security uh, goons do follow her in and say, I'm sorry, Xenon, you can't be here. But by this point, she's already talked to protozoa her hero yeah and he's like oh i don't think so boys yeah, well actually he says yeah xenon you you can come up to the space station and then the security dudes are like i'm sorry no she can't that's a huge <laughs> breach of protocol we have to like any variance in weight from what we're expecting on this space flight will doom us all and we'll fly into the sun <laughs> and protozoa says to them do you want to be Wyndham's monkeys all your life or do you want to pursue a career in rock and roll rock and roll now what does he mean by this we never find out we never see them again well, but they do loosen their their collars. They loosen their collars. Drink. I guess it's implied that they join his road crew. <laughs> yeah, or just like his kind of entourage, or maybe. inspired to pursue their own musical career. When it's yeah, that's true. <laughs> don't know. I love that Protozoa, wherever he goes, has the get out of just saying to anyone. Or do you fancy a career in rock and roll? Rock and roll. And they're like, hey, I could become a rock and roll musician. Thanks, t- Protozoa. Such is the magnetism of Protozoa. Protozoa is amazing. I think Protozoa is amazing. Protozoa, I wish, you know what? There is much more Protozoa content in subsequent Xenon films. They know what side their bread is buttered on and they lean heavily into Protozoa. Yeah, although in the third film they recast Protozoa catastrophically. Yeah, because the actor was too good and charismatic. (laughs) Yeah, and unfortunately landed some better acting jobs. Basically at this point it's revealed that Wyndham's evil plan is to destroy the space station with this virus along with the loss of everyone on board including microbe who they are sending up to do this concert specifically at the point that the space station will self-destruct because that will somehow distract people even though that's bound to get it like way more publicity well, than it would have got otherwise so the plan the plan is blow it up for the mm-hmm. insurance money right yes the the space station is i guess heavily insured and sure. Wyndham wants to blow it up for the insurance money. Wyndham thinks this thing's going to explode. He's going to get a huge insurance payout. Here's how this actually plays out, Wyndham, your plan. Okay? Day one, the spaceship explodes. It's an enormous, 
catastrophe. Yeah, hundreds uh, of dead people dead. Hundreds of people, Thousands, hundreds maybe. of people dead, and that's before you count the wreckage that's going to burn up in the atmosphere, probably crash down in a, on a crowded metropolitan area. Onto the Vancouver Convention Center. The fact that Microbe are on board is a sort of, you know, it's a sort of sixth paragraph in the news story kind of a, aspe- aspect of this. When you're reading this on the BBC News, when you're reading it on CNN, it's a, you know, it's a footnote because it, it, it is eclipsed by the enormous humanitarian tragedy tragedy that is the loss of all hands on this space station mm-hmm. that's what happens in the first few hours in the next few hours press surround the Wyndham buildings obviously everyone wants to know how did this happen are you responsible did you know this could happen it seems like according to these reports filed by the space station that they uh, there were a lot of maintenance problems that weren't being addressed in the run-up to this terrible accident yeah uh, it seems like things were going wrong on an almost daily basis. Day fact. two, the FBI have <laughs> entered Wyndham HQ and are seizing documents. Fast forward six months, Wyndham goes to prison for gross criminal negligence. Yep. It's possible that a, that a baying mob assassinates him on the way to trial, you know? No, absolutely. He's dragged out into the street, <laughs> <laughs> beaten to death with shoes and rocks. Yeah, Wyndham seems to think that actually what will happen is the space station will blow up. His insurer will go, ah, yes, of course, you insured this. Why does he have a space station if it's not making more money than he could make from blowing it up for the insurance? It doesn't even seem like his company is the sort of company that would have a space station to research bone density. They're a communications company. Yeah, it's it's as very odd. And then yeah. they kind of maybe that maybe through merger upon merger upon shell company or whatever, um, you know, maybe they inherited this kind of odd research wing. But if it's not making money, the way to make the, your money back is to sell it not to blow it up i would imagine capitalism ensures that you can't get more money from blowing something up (laughs) for the insurance or else jeff bezos would detonate every amazon (laughs) amazon warehouse warehouse, right for the enormous insurance payout i mean yeah let's hope he hasn't done that in the time between recording and this podcast going out and yeah and let's hope that that's not something you can do and that he doesn't listen to this podcast and realize it's hang on Wait a minute. Simply detonate my business for the insurance money. He looks over at the Tesla factory opposite, which detonates. <laughs> <laughs> They're all doing it. Oh, no. Quick. Every iPhone explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Disneyland explodes. Anyway, as if Wyndham's plan wasn't bad enough, he has also accidentally transported, him, transported himself to the space station. <laughs> At the point where it's going to explode. <laughs> okay. Because, okay. All right. Okay. Explain how okay. this happened. Explain does how does this came that. to be. He does do that. But it's because. <laughs> okay. Okay. Aunt Judy drives up in her futuristic 2001 VW Beetle. Mm. And she, she says, Xenon is here. Yeah. And he says. She can't possibly be. And then he looks over and sees Xenon running onto the ship, knowing that Xenon could undo all his plans. So him and Lutz run on board the ship, which is heading towards the this thing that's going space to station. You would think he would see Xenon boarding the ship, think, oh, good, Xenon will be blown Xenon up. Xenon will also die in the space station. Uh, he doesn't know that Xenon has a way of undoing the catastrophic no. virus. He doesn't. So he runs on board the doomed ship. He doesn't send security to get her or anything. He personally, him and Lutz, run onto the doomed oh. ship. And then, in an odd bit of unfortunateness, the the shuttle takes off. He is briefly knocked off balance, accidentally opens the door to the hold, falls into the hold. Xenon, seeing this, slides down to the hold as the ship's taking off and presses the um, hold lock button, locking... Yeah. Um, Lutz and Wyndham in the hold. As we covered on the Johnny Tsunami episode, holds of vehicles like this, planes, space shuttles, aren't traditionally, you know, treated, wastefully treated to the same oxygen and um, temperature control as the rest of the There does appear to be some sort of airlock between the passenger cabin and the hold, certainly. So their frozen corpses are later. (laughs) The frozen (laughs) corpse of Wyndham is going (laughs) to slide out onto the tarmac. (laughs) Or it shatters. (laughs) They do eventually get let out once the uh, the ship arrives yeah. at the space station, but not before Xenon has managed to sort of get a head start on them. Uh, and the space station is it's, things are really it's messed in up. dire straits now. You know, every, everything's yeah, falling it's apart. minutes away from self destructing at this point. Xenon's mum is like, "Oh, this was supposed to be the safe place to live. What happened? 
What happened to you? What happened to you, Xenon's mum? She puts on the stress helmet, rocking back and forth in the corner. (laughs) But anyway, Xenon has the undo virus. And initially, people don't want her to do it. But there's literally 10 seconds until the whole place detonates. I mean, what's the worst? Yeah, I would say, let Xenon type. So Xenon uploads the antivirus, but then she has to sort of enter a series of codes, most of which are wrong. Yeah. Also, the code is is a string of symbols. It's like the wingdings. It's wingdings. Font. Yeah. yeah, it's a wingdings. So she's, she's typing in wingdings. Yeah. So she's so she's typing. She's gonna like da 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 eh, wrong da 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 eh, wrong. Uh oh. Ten seconds. Eight seconds. Five seconds. What's she typing? Eh. I don't know because it's a string of what like eight nine characters. There are yeah. trillions of combinations. <laughs> I would I would think. And also this this was described as a sort of automatic undo thing. So you just yeah. put it in and it undoes it doesn't it wasn't like and then you enter the password and I'm not going to tell you what that is so you'll have to guess. But you know what like for for a movie it would totally make sense that you would have a kind of exciting point right before the bomb detonates where you have to enter one final passcode but oh no Xenon doesn't know what it is. So you're <laughs> thinking well, what's going to happen? Is, you know, is, is someone... She has to think back to her adventures. She has to think back to her would... adventures. What has she learned? Or remember something precious about Wyndham. Maybe Wyndham got to set the password. Or perhaps Wyndham yeah. could burst in and go, I don't want to die. I confess. I did it. And here's the passcode to save us all. Man, so many great ways you could have... So, so off, the top, off the dome, so many good ways <laughs> that you could satisfactorily resolve this. Instead, Xenon, astronomical odds... <laughs> types a code and it's right and everyone goes hooray he's <laughs> not did it the undo virus has saved the un- everyone yeah the undo virus does its wonderful work immediately virus de- virus deactivated yeah now says. i i think the virus that's eating away at the systems um i don't think that's the kind of thing that you can just sort of undo i think it's actually no. doing pretty you know it's causing systems to do mechanical physical harm to themselves yeah a lot right? of things exploded yeah so if, you, lot- if you've got like an air filtration system that explodes yeah and then you deactivate the virus it's still exploding yes yeah yeah quite right but but the space station just immediately stops again yeah. this is the point where the decom makers are like looking at their watches the pubs are open yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> the golf course links stretch invitingly <laughs> away the afternoon lies ahead <laughs> Yeah, everything's fine. And then the Admiral in it resplendent in his... <laughs> Sp- who, oh, who also, at, by this point, within one second, has looked at Aunt Judy and fallen in love with her and she with oh, him. Oh, yeah, they're deeply in love and all over each other. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. Um, she's gotten over her cowardice of love. Lutz and Wyndham are arrested by the power of the space police. Yeah, he has no authority to do this. But, but you know what? <laughs> it, at this point, it's basically a rogue state. You know, yeah, the, the they seceded from the Union and they're just... <laughs> Yeah, so he can do whatever he wants. It's his own fiefdom up there in space. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we go. Uh, that's all wrapped up, and we finish with a, a microbe concert, the one that was promised, which is absolutely glorious. I mean, there's barely anyone there. The audience is the audience <laughs> is tiny. In an act of glorious magnanimity, Xenon gives her one special dance with Protozoa to Nebula, her friend, for yeah. being so loyal and good. Did you notice in this scene that Protozoa is dressed? Like the doll of Protozoa that Xenon made. What? He's no. Wearing this, he's wearing like a black shirt and a silver jacket. It's exactly the clothes that Xenon put on the little Protozoa That's doll. That's brilliant. I mean, at this point, the you know, Microbe are described as a rock band. Um, yeah. That all goes out the window when they start playing this kind of. Oh, we hear their song. Oh, yeah, zoom, song. zoom, zoom. You know what? Like, l- screw it. Let's just play a few seconds. It's strange, isn't it, that the lyrics are all just unrelated scientific terms linked together? <laughs> yeah, they are. It's also weird that that's a big hit on Earth, whereas we know they're not really <laughs> that into space in general. Whereas they've kind of made it their whole personality. The three hundred, <laughs> the three hundred people who live on this one space station. Yeah, I think you know it's a pretty, it's a pretty sweet scene. I think you know the um yeah. the dancing. Protozoa teaches uh, teaches Nebula the dance. It is just sort of jigging around on the spot. Yeah. But... Oh, and there's a point where in the song there's the sound of an aeroplane, and at that point you extend your arms <laughs> like an aeroplane and sort of fl- fly around. Yeah, you can see why this is a sort of hot sex god rock star. Yeah, you can see why this is a massive yeah, hit. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love Mike Bro- Microbe. I love Protozoa. Yeah. They're great. And they're, that's how the movie ends. We we go out on a great Microbe concert 
what do you think of Xenon? Do you think it was a good decom or a bad decom? I think it's an interesting one to review straight after Johnny Tsunami, which in terms of its you know reach and scope is much less ambitious and tells a much smaller story, mm. but I think is a much better film. Does a better job of telling a story. Yeah, exactly. I Xenon think. is messy, but the world it creates is absolutely batch and it's, i love watching i loved watching xenon again um yeah yeah the, the attention to detail one of these, is great it's like the 13th year where they just haven't interrogated the sort of lore of this yeah. society this problem is only going to get worse when we, <laughs> when we get to xenon the sequel and z3 um, z3 z3 yeah that's yeah. right um you know things get even more buck wild and only you know less consistent but i think you know it is one of the one of the decom pillars again xenon yeah. is up there with uh, 13th year and brink and all those, it's a big all one. those ones also so. i would imagine i mean i don't have any evidence for this but i would imagine that disney aired it maybe more regularly than the other decoms because they have to make the money back you know um, <laughs> sure sure on this you know on what 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 is clearly um you know a fairly spendy uh, yeah right know, visually decom i think the best thing in it are the band microbe the character protozoa and the slang those are the things yeah. actually that i think if you Google around, this is one of the decoms that people remember the most fondly, and those are the yeah. those are the aspects of it that have especially endured. Not the stupid plot with the virus that doesn't make any sense. No. It's the slang, um, it's the kind of general aesthetic, and it's this it's this hit boy band. The core cast are very good. Kirsten Storms as Xenon, yeah. Um, Philip Philip Reese as Protozoa, and Raven Simone as Nebula are yeah. all very good. It's a great decom, and I I'm I'm super happy and relieved now, Andy, because I do feel like we managed to in some way I think we got there oh boy okay any other business um i want to talk about the 13th year andy okay well actually let's start with uh, this we've had as usual loads of lovely reviews loads of loads of emails if you want to get in touch with the podcast and send us some some curios to talk to in the any other business section then you can at mom can't cook pod at gmail.com i want to call out uh, this message that we got from the space siblings baby space and brother space uh, mm-hmm. appropriate for xenon but it's actually an email about um the 13th year uh and as well as some very very uh, astute observations about the film um baby space points out that at the 35 minute mark in uh, the 13th year there is a tiny tiny Kristen stewart in line at the water fountain yes go go look she's got to be what like 10 she she looks absolutely tiny i mean it, yeah. it's as soon as you see her it's like oh Kristen stewart i you know, tiny Kristen yeah, stewart yeah um so you know like it's fine if you don't watch the these decoms i said that quite passive aggressively but it really is fine um but you know find a screenshot of Kristen stewart in the 13th year because uh yeah, yeah yeah a very very early acting role for her and i also just wanted to address because many many people have been writing in um to uh basically make the point that cody isn't in his 13th year yeah so he turns 13 which means he's now in his 14th year and let me just assure you listeners that andy and i talked about this on the podcast for about for about 10 minutes about 10 minutes and i ended up cutting it all out because it was very confusing <laughs> was really, and I, very dry yeah it, i i i will i will put my hands up and say i had no idea what luke was talking about <laughs> I, was, I was basically i was like andy if you're a one-year-old baby how many you know how many months yeah. have you the the confusion comes from the fact that the film puts up on screen 13 years later um also confusing the facts are you know you're doing it again i'm doing it you're right oh god you're doing it i'm not gonna get into it because I already had to cut all of this out and you know what? Nothing of value was lost except a bit where Andy and I talked about what would have happened if the mum had flopped up on the boat and given birth right there in front of the parents. Why don't you why don't you just put that on the end of this episode? No, no. There's a clip. All right, maybe. Okay, listen after the music. Maybe I'll include just a few out of context moments <laughs> of Andy and I talking about a mermaid giving birth. Well, thanks for listening, folks, to this uh, discussion of Xenon girl of the 21st century uh next episode we'll be moving into october the spookiest scariest eeriest creepiest month of all finally which Hall- halloween lies and so we're moving on to some scary decoms yeah and i think the obvious choice and the direction we absolutely have to go for the first one of these is halloween town oh. so that's going to be our next uh, disney channel original movie we're going to watch halloween town would you like me to read you the synopsis yes please uh, marnie and her younger siblings travel with their estranged grandmother who is a good witch to halloween town a place where creepy creatures lead very normal lives on her 13th birthday so her 14th year marnie gets, su- <laughs> marnie gets a supernatural surprise when she discovers that she too is a witch 
Marnie will have to learn how to use her broomstick if she hopes to stop an evil force from taking over Halloween Town. The Halloween Town episode may well just be a dispassionate description of every single monster <laughs> in Halloween Town. Um, yes, please. I can't promise that it won't be. But yeah, it's absolute gold. I can't wait. Yeah, this movie rips and I can't wait to rewatch it. You have to give this podcast five stars now um, if you haven't already. You have to. Yes, please, please do uh, leave us a review. No point saying please, Andy. They have to. Oh, sorry. You have to leave us a review. You have to leave us a rating. Uh, thank you very much to people who have. Uh, Professor Vod, uh, Henry T. Number 312, The Mat Attack UK, Claire Travels, uh, Athorist 73, and Naravis, just to name a few. Thank you very much for leaving reviews for Mom Can't Cook. We really appreciate it. Thank you all. And if you want to put some Mom Can't Cook merch on your body, or perhaps on your laptop, or on your wall, then why not go to momcantcookstore.com and check out the merch we have available. It's pretty yeah. fun. And presumably, by the time you check this, there'll be a t-shirt that says, I just I just blew an O-ring. <laughs> I just blew an O-ring. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone got all gaseous on me. <laughs> Luke, I think it's macro that you grew up in space. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. It gave me bone density minor. <laughs> I've done the maths. It's ju- it, like it's just possible that like, but but I, I I'm I'm re I'm pretty sure that they just they just made a mistake because they don't find a zero year old baby. That would be mm. like the mermaid crawling into their boat to give birth. <laughs> Which the the cowardice of the filmmakers doesn't allow them to show. You know what? I bet in the script it says the mermaid flops into the back of the boat and noisily births a little baby, and ejects a cloud of eggs onto that, the, yeah. the deck. <laughs> And then a passing merman fertilizes them. But, but in a long, unflinching scene, <laughs> passing merman. But on the day, the director was like, "We're not going to do this. We're just going to put. We're just going to put thirteen years up on up on the yeah. screen." Don't you mean twelve and a half? Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>